Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, December the 27th, 2023. It is currently 11.20 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, it wasn't far from where I'm sitting right now. In fact, if I was to get in my car, back out of my driveway, head down the street out of our residential area here, kind of our, 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 our the housing development, whatever you want to call this, our neighborhood, and I get to the stop sign, if I was to turn right, I would drive for about five to six minutes. I would pass the big mega church on the left, Beltway Park Church here in Abilene, Texas. And right past Beltway Park, I would see a traffic light. And if I would stop at that traffic light and turn left, I would immediately be what we we, uh, call Buffalo Gap Road, which will take me directly into Buffalo Gap, Texas. Buffalo Gap, Texas. Buffalo Gap, Texas, I just, I love, I can't even talk about Buffalo Gap, Texas enough. I absolutely loved that I got to live there as a child. It it just, whenever I would read the Tom Sawyer or The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, I, I know that that was in Missouri, but for some reason, I just imagine that that's what Buffalo Gap, Texas was. It has this great history because of the Native American tribes who lived in that area. There, there were buffalo. There still there were buffalo when I was growing up there on, we would call them mountains. They're probably not technical mountain, te- technically mountains, but very, very, very tall. On the top of them, there were buffalo, and so uh, and so and bu- and Buffalo Gap is kind of in this valley between these we'll call them larger hills, right? And it's just and it was just so it almost seemed out of place, right? You're in West Texas, kind of desert, but in Buffalo Gap you had these huge oak trees, and it just felt so it was just, it was just awesome growing up there, and that's where I lived in Buffalo Gap, Texas, and December the twenty seventh. Well, that is the, well, the birthday of my mother, December the 27th. Now, I didn't have a great family life. I'm not going to, I don't want to go back through all the horrible things that happened. And I cannot be 100% dogmatic that this happened on December the 27th, but I'm almost 100% positive it did. The more I think about it and, and kind of just try, trying to remember it because it's, I mean, it's my mother's birthday. And for many of you, you know that my mother passed away when I was young. And obviously it was a horrible situation, tragic, and I, I don't want to go through all of it. And we, we no, there was no chance for reconciliation. It was just a horrible, horrible time and had a profound impact on my life. Obviously, it was only months, it was less than a month later that I tried to kill myself, eight weeks in a psychiatric hospital. It was a bad time in my life, okay? But it was a December the 27th. I, I cannot tell you this specific year, but I'm all, no, I, it was my mother's birthday. There was just no question about it. Now, because it was my mother's birthday and Christmas, it technically could have occurred on December the 26th. It could have occurred on December the 25th, but I know that it wasn't a Christmas morning. I know. So I think what it was is we did Christmas, whatever it was that year, and then 
Then it was two days later, right, December the 27th, when I had, I think I took, I, I possibly had either, either saved up money or money I had gotten for Christmas. I wanted to get my mom something, right? I wanted to get my mom something. Well, we lived in Buffalo Gap, Texas. Population at that time was like 250 people, right? There was literally nothing there. There was what we called Stewart's Grocery, which was kind of a slash convenience store gas station. They also made cool sandwiches. Um, and it was kind of just this little like, you know, mom and pop corner store slash gas station, all right? They didn't really sell anything that you could really buy for a, a birthday gift, but right, literally you could walk out my back door there in Buffalo Gap, walk across the yard, and then you kind of, it, it literally looked like something, you know, from the 1800s. It, it literally had the place where you could tie up your horse, right? Right there, they, it had the post for tying up your horse right in front of it. Then it was like this wooden, like, you know, I, I walkway, right? I mean, literally it looked like something you would see in a Western movie, right? And then there was what we called the general store. And it was to look like a general store from the 1800s, right? It had the little uh, candy jars up on the counter. Uh, and it, I mean, it had all this like really old looking stuff. It really captured, it captured my imagination because it looked like a store from the 1800s. I could only liken it at that point in my life to the little house on the prairie. That's what I could liken to it, like the general store there. It was awesome. I loved walking into that place and they had like all of these just knickknacks and things. I don't even know where they got the things, but I always just liked walking in there. And if I had any money trying to buy something, it was awesome. I loved it. Well, I was looking in there and my mom, now I grew up in West Texas, mind you, obviously, Buffalo Gap, Texas. And obviously people in West Texas love iced tea. They love their tea, right? Not, not warm, not hot, iced tea with about 19 pounds of sugar in it. Okay. All right. So, uh, and a lot of times they would drink it out of these kind of, I don't know, it almost looked like a jar that you would, you would put, like you would, you would put, you would, you know, put some kind of fruit in there. Right. So, um, and so I, I was looking and they had this cool looking kind of like mug type of, of thing. And I'm like, oh, OK, how much is that? And I took my money and I purchased it. And, I, and, and of course, it was easy for me to get because it's literally there's my back door. So I got it and I was all excited. All right, all right. I got her a gift. I got her a gift. And I thought I'd made the right decision. I thought it was perfect. I thought this was going to be the greatest thing ever because I took my money. Nobody had to drive me to the store. Nobody had to prompt me. This was going to be the greatest thing ever, right? Now, remember, not the best family life, right? Okay, and that's an understatement. So I, you know, get back on the little wooden plankway, the little wooden walkway, run hop off of it, run across my yard, run into the back and the back door opened up right into the kitchen. And I walked into the kitchen and my mother was standing there at the counter. I remember this like this was yesterday. The only thing I'm not certain on is the date, but I'm almost positive it was her birthday. I'm almost positive it was her birthday. And I ran there and I walked in and I like had it behind my back. I didn't even have it wrapped. I didn't even have it in a bag, right? I just still was holding the the glass jug, glass jar, I guess was what you call it. It's almost like a, you'd have to have seen it, right? It's hard to describe. And I'm like, hey, I got you a birthday present or something to those lines. I don't know the exact words. And I pulled it out and I handed it to her and she took it, looked at it, looked at me. And then threw it down as hard as she could and it smashed into a million pieces. And she basically says, that's a stupid gift that is useless. 
You should be ashamed of yourself. And I will never forget that as long as I live. Because I tried to give a gift and it was the wrong gift. It was the wrong thing. I picked the wrong thing. I, I, I did it the wrong way. I, I did something wrong. I did something wrong. And then you sit there as a child trying to figure out, well, then how do I do the right thing? And what is the wrong thing? And why did I do the right thing? And why am I? Uh, and you just left in a little bit of confusion. You just don't know what to do. And a good portion of my childhood was spent like just you never really knew what was the right thing to do. You never knew because one day this was the right thing, but the next day that was the wrong thing. And the next day you did the wrong thing and it somehow became the right thing. And you just never knew right, wrong, left, right, up, down, speak, don't speak, go here, don't go here, stay out late, don't stay out late, come home, don't go home. You just stay in school, quit school. You just you go to school, don't go to school. You do your homework, don't do your homework. Read. You just never, literally, every day it felt like every day changed. Every day, and they, you just you like, what could I do to figure out? Like, can I just? You would wake up going. So what is it today? Does anybody know? Does anybody know how we can figure out what we're supposed to do today? I mean, basically, I was talking to myself. My brother was younger, uh, but we would probably have these conversations going. You know, so what do you think today is? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Do we just, do we get out and just stay out all day? Do we stay home? Do we go and go, hey, good morning? Do we, do, do, what do you, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. How do we figure it out? I don't know. Do you, do you, you got a coin? You want to flip a coin? I don't want to flip a coin. You, you got any tarot cards? You want to do that? You, you got a Ouija board? What, do we ask God? Do we, do we look for a cloud? Do we look for a sign? Well, how do we figure it out? And well, we never quite ever figured it out because I think 90%, well, okay. Remembering, remember, as an adult, your memories of childhood are not always perfect. Obviously, you you remember things that your parents don't see the same way. So I understand that sometimes my memories are not perfect. Now, when it comes to this gift being smashed into a million pieces, there's no question about that. Okay, that uh, trust me that 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 is burned into my brain and it impacts me to this very day. I don't want to buy anyone a gift because am I going to get the right one? And most likely, something is going to go wrong. Right, so. So December the 27th brings up a lot of these feelings about like, so do I do this? Do I do this? How do I know? How can I figure it out? What can I do? And when I became a Christian, I spent a good portion of my Christian life trying to figure things out almost in kind of this weird, like, I, I, it didn't actually bring me more clarity. It actually brought more confusion because I was told, because even though I did not go to a charismatic church, it was still very common that like, you know, you pray and God tells you what to do. God talks to you. And I'm like, okay, so if I ask God what to do, he'll tell me, well, you got to listen. I'm like, well, how do I listen? And you got to really listen. Like you got to really pray or you pray for 30 minutes and then you listen for 30 minutes and then you write down and, or, or it's a feeling, it's an inner voice. Now they weren't saying it was going to be an audible voice and they, or they would say, look for for a sign or look for this. And I was always trying to figure out, so is it God's will to do this? Well, maybe it's God's will to do this. Maybe it's God's will. I, is it, is it, I, I never, I, I, to this day, I, I don't think I could ever figure it out. And a lot of times what I assumed or thought was God's will wasn't, wasn't so good. And I saw the same thing happen even years later, after I became older and I joined the military and I was in my church in Nebraska, I would see these young people like, oh, God's calling me to be a missionary. And then 
Well, they didn't make it to the, all of a sudden God's supposed to telling them to go to the mission field changed three years later, three years later, five years later, they didn't go to the mission field or they, or they had already forgotten about that. And it's so many times people would say, God told me this, or God told me this only that it seemed like God changed his mind, you know, six months later. And it was always like, this is so maddening. This is so confusing. This is like, like trying to figure out what my mom wanted was about as confusing as trying to figure out what God wanted. I was like, I, how do I figure this out? And sometimes I would be pointed to a specific text of scripture. Now, if you were with us earlier today, I put forth an idea. We're calling it the 2024 Sermons 2.0 App Challenge where every day you're going to open up the Sermons 2.0 app throughout 2024 and choose a sermon as random as possible. You're not going to do anything. And so today was the first day. So I opened up the app, looked for newest sermons, and there was one called The Ratification by Shane Rice. And I I can't remember the name. I think it was Anchor Baptist Church, something along those lines. And so we reviewed a little bit of it. And it was, well... Based on Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And we read these words starting in verse 36. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And then well, we'll stop right there. This becomes about Gideon's fleece. And I was pointed to this passage. Sometimes as a young Christian, that well, you have to put a fleece down. In prayer, you have to kind of say, God, here, here's kind of my test so that I can know your will. Here's the fleece I would put down. And a lot of times I would say, okay, I'm going to do this. And if this happens, so many times, then I would think it was a sign and I had confirmation. I knew what God's will was. And it only turned out clearly that wasn't God's will. Clearly it did not work out that way. Other times I wouldn't do that. I never knew. And it confused me. So, so Gideon's fleece, if I said judge's fleece, Gideon's fleece as recorded in the book of Judges has become kind of a, hey, figuring out God's will. And I, I never knew like, so I don't know if this is really about us teaching us how to discern God's will, because did Gideon really need the fleece? I mean, did, I mean, even he said, look what, I mean, look when you read it in verse 36 and Gideon said unto the Lord, if thou will save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, God had already told him. He'd already been given the revelation by God, exactly what was going to happen. But now he's not sure he's, he's. He's, he's confused. Now, God shows his patience and his grace here because he kind of goes along with it. But then you can say, is Gideon show his faith, lack of faith? We can have a lot of discussion. But I know everyone talks about the fleece, the fleece, the fleece, the fleece. So let's see how the fleece it plays out here. All right. So this is what Gideon proposes. This is Gideon's great idea. I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only... And it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou will save Israel by mine hand as thou hast said. So he's going to put the, he's going to put the fleece of wool on the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, so, hey, if the, if the fleece gets wet from the dew, okay, then I know. And, but the ground has to be dry. So the ground is dry. The fleece is wet. Got it. All right. So guess what happens? 
Uh, and it was so, for he rose up early in the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece and a bowl full of water. The fleece was wet. Everything else was dry. But Gideon was like, hmm, I don't know. So he says unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me. I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground. Let it be the dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on the ground. So really, there's two tests. One, the fleece would be wet, and the ground would be dry. The other one, the fleece would be dry, and the ground would be wet. But two basic ways of looking at it. And this becomes his test. And a lot of them, everyone talks about Gideon's fleece, Gideon's fleece. What can we do with it? And sometimes you're told, to, you, you, it's perfectly okay to kind of say, God, I don't really know what to do. Here, ha, show me. Give me, give me an example here. Well, I think that that is an absolutely ridiculous thing to do. I think it's psychologically scarring, damaging, and will lead to mass confusion, disappointment, disillusionment, depression, frustration, and maybe some disastrous decision-making. So I was thinking, he has a fleece. A fleece, a wool fleece. I don't even know if I would know a wool fleece if I saw it. All right, okay, but a wool fleece. We got something better than a wool fleece, right? So I was thinking of this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I remember these words, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. So there's these imperfect things, these things that are only the part. But when the perfect comes, the thing that is whole, then we don't need all of those parts because we've got the whole thing. Well, to me, trying to figure out God's will with a fleece, trying to communicate God in all of these other ways, voices, visions, all of these other things, all of that is the imperfect, but the perfect has come. And I believe that's God's word. Now, I know some people believe the perfect there refers to Jesus Christ, but even if you believe it refers to Jesus Christ, you can't tell me that God's word is not, it's, is it not referred to as being perfect, inerrant, infallible, without error. It's the infallible and errant word of God. That's what we say over and over and over. So you would have to say it is perfect. So Jesus Christ may be perfect, but his word is perfect. It will stand forever. Heaven and earth may fade away, but the word of God will abide forever. Clearly, you would have to say the word is perfect as well. And then it says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now see we through a, a glass darkly, but then uh, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. Now, I, I do believe this is also a reference to Christ, but I think there's a part of this that we, without the wor completed word of God, you only know in part. You don't see clearly, but then we have received something. The infallible inspired word of God. It is God breathed. We have the completed revelation of God. 
That to me is better. That to me gives me something that I can hold to. So I would just say, if the fleece was used in that way, we have something better. We have the word of God and we can lay it down, right? We can say, okay, whatever the issue is, whatever the situation is, we can say, here's the issue, uh, the situation. Okay, what should I do? Uh, I don't need fleece. I lay down God's word. Remember, there was two ways. The fleece would get wet, but the ground would be drowned, uh, dry. The ground would be wet and the fleece would be dry, right? Two different ways of looking at, well, I can lay down the scriptures, whatever the issue is, and the scriptures are going to tell me right or it's going to tell me it's wrong. It's going to tell me it's wise or it's going to tell me it's foolish. It's going to tell me smart, do this, do that. It's going to give me some direction. It may not be everything that we want. I understand that, but it is the word of God. And we, we, say, we, we say things about the word of God. We say things like this, all right? Hang on, let me see. Do you remember these scriptures? Right? Do we remember these scriptures? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his error? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. It's the word of God. We, we don't need a fleece. We, we have the scriptures. We lay the scriptures down. Lord, here's the situation. What does your word say? Now, we won't like it. We may, we may have to go, uh, do you remember the magic eight ball? Do you remember that thing? You could ask it a question, right? You know, am I going to marry so-and-so? Does so-and-so like me? And I can't remember the options it would give you. It would give you these options. And if you didn't like the option, you just shaked it again until you got the one you wanted, right? It's the way it works. Well, sometimes with scriptures, we lay it down and we come back the next day and we're like, oh, I don't, I don't like that answer. Okay, uh, let me shake that one out. Okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. All right. All right. Okay. Let's try it again. Ooh. Okay. I like the answer now. I like the answer now. We almost do the same thing. Now, Gideon probably did it more because he just wanted to be sure. He was worried, right? I mean, this is military conflict. He, he wasn't trying to figure out which car to buy or where to move or what house to buy, who to marry. He, this was about military conflict. So I can understand him being a little concerned. But God had already told him. Now, that's the problem. Sometimes God tells us right here in his word, and we still want a different answer. Now, what we typically do is we seek out different answers, right? We're like, well, I don't like what that preacher said. Oh, but this preacher said it's okay. Hey, I don't like what he said. Oh, but I think it's okay. Why do you think it's okay? Out of your extensive study of God's word or because your extensive study was to keep studying until you found the answer that you wanted? Now, I grew up not knowing 
from one day to the next, what to do? Do I buy a gift? Do I not buy a gift? Do I say something? Do I not say something? Do I do this? I never knew day from day to day what I was supposed to do growing up. It was, it was, it, it was utter land of confusion, land of contradiction, land of just madness. It just was maddening because you just never know. One day you're doing something. Next thing you know, you're getting like, you know, I won't go through all the details, but bad things would happen. And you would be like, well, wait a minute. Yesterday I could do that. You never knew what was going on. It was maddening. And then I became a Christian and I thought, oh, now I'm going to have certainty. And Christianity in many cases led to more uncertainty and more craziness. And I tried to make decisions off some of the most weird, the weird, <laughs> a feeling, a prayer God said to me. And now I think I've figured out we're looking for wool fleeces when we have infallible scripture. Now, yes, I understand. Scripture requires interpretation, requires study. I understand that we can mishandle it. I understand we can misread it. And I know it, we, we never maybe get the certainty we ever want until Christ does return. But the uncertainty and the confusion, we don't believe is because of God's word, because of us. So maybe when there's confusion and doubt and we don't know what to do, we lay God's word down. Maybe we give it 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, and we come back and we pick up God's word and we're like, oh, it's wet or, oh, it's dry. Oh, it says... That could be according to God's will or, oh, that clearly isn't. Now, we may, we may decide to close it, set it to the side and go, God, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. And don't act so shocked or godly or sanctimonious to act like you would never do such thing because we do it all the time. What do you think? Do you think when we see Judges 6 and this fleece, do we see it as, well, that's the way it was when they only had the part. They didn't have the completed revelation, but now the perfect has come and we now have the perfect. We have the word of God. Do we see it? Not that it was necessarily meant to be this, but if we're going to apply it, we don't apply it by looking for our own version of a wool fleece. We look for something far better than a wool fleece. Remember in Hebrews, in times past, God spoke in diverse ways. He spoke in different ways. But something changed. Something changed. Something better came. Something perfect arrived. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's, look, as difficult as it is, and opening a Bible and trying to understand Greek and Hebrew and historical context and syntax and and grammar and punctuation and and textual con and every just all the things that come with exegeting and interpreting Scripture as difficult as that may be, it's a billion times more difficult than trying to hear some internal voice. Is that is that me or is that God? Is this and that. Do I look for a sign? That's maddening, and you'll never find certainty. Or you'll make some of the worst decisions you've ever made in your life. Let 
So for me, even though the sermon that we reviewed, again, called The Ratification, and we didn't even review all of it, and I challenged all of you to go listen to the rest. Some of you did and emailed me. I think it gives us, that's the whole point of kind of the, the, the challenge we're doing, is that whether a sermon is good or whether a sermon is bad, it presents you enough food for you to take. And so I've been thinking about it, and well, there's some of my thoughts on it. I know I left the sermon and went my own direction, but you can tell me what you think. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. It is Wednesday, December the 27th, and it will be over in just a few minutes. Another birthday for my mom has come and gone. I do remember the pain of that moment, but I'll never forget the confusion of it. And throughout my life, times I am confused and don't know what to do and toss to and fro. And, but I do like having something to grab onto, right? We have something. I mean, how does the world determine wrong and right? How do they determine morality? How do they, how do they figure anything out? They just kind of follow their own selves or what the, what the majority says, what the minority says, or what they say. And I don't even know how you figure any of that. As a Christianity, we may struggle with some of the philosophical implications of it, but at least I have something to grab onto going, okay, all right, I'm going to figure this out. And that's somewhat better than that confusion. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Let me know. Again, news, if at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great night. God bless.